Guys, welcome back for another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, and we're going to do our housekeeping really quick. Guys, if you're more of a listener than a watcher, you podcasting SOBs out there, we are now on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and several others, thanks to Anchor FM. So you can go to anchor.fm and look up Alan Mosley TV, just like everywhere else. Uh, you know, go ahead and... Uh, Go ahead and give us a listen. Give us a little give us a little like. Do a little review skis on some of those podcasting platforms. We we will appreciate it. Uh, or or just don't. If you're more of a watcher than a listener, there you go. You can go to Odyssey. Odyssey.com. Also, Alan Mosley TV is all you gotta look for. It's too late with Alan Mosley. It's now on Odyssey. For people that are not big YouTube fans, maybe you've run afoul of the Google overlords every now and again. You can find a decentralized platform that doesn't ban people and values free speech over on Odyssey. And one other thing uh, really quick before we move on. So we've done three annual events live for a studio audience now. And at each of them, I've had some of the guests who came into town to see the show bring me a present. And last year, last year for episode 100, um, I had uh, our good friends Celeste Annis and Derek Truesdale brought the it, this It's Too Late mug, which was very kind to them, and it has been right there on my desk ever since. Now, this year, I had a, I had a couple come in, and I'm not going to name who they are, but I had a couple come in, and they said, Alan, we brought you a letter opener. Now, I thought to myself, now that's a... That's a Kind of a random gift, but you know, maybe it'll be classy to have a little le- letter opener there on my on my desk as opposed to just opening my envelopes with my mouth. And so they handed me the uh, letter opener. This is what they deem to be a letter opener. So wherever it is they come from, this is what passes as a letter opener to them. And so... It's got all, I probably just committed a felony by even having this on the show. It's got, it's got some nice skull and crossbones inlays there on, on the scabbard and the hilt. So, um, thank you. Anyway, we're going to get rid of that before I get in trouble. Uh, one other quick thing. We have our next taste testing event taking place on the program tonight. So you might remember, for regular viewers of the show, we did the One Chip Challenge. Me and Blink did the One Chip Challenge. Went in a challenge to me. And we also did the Impossible Whopper. And, and by we did the Impossible Whopper, I really mean more Blake did the Impossible Whopper. I, I took a bite and said, okay, there you go. I had a bite. Um, he just crammed the whole thing. He said it was terrible, and then he ate the whole thing. Uh, tonight, we're going to do some chocolate Easter eggs. Now, these are things that I've never had before. I had mentioned on a previous program that uh, Blake was a big fan of Peeps, and I've never had a Peep. And if someone sends me a package of Peeps, I will try one live on the show. Uh, no one's done that yet. And there's also the Peep-flavored Pepsi that apparently is being made. And I don't know if that's like a special thing that uh, only some people will be able to get or what. But if I can get some, I will absolutely drink it. But for tonight, we've got three different chocolate Easter eggs, and we're going to start with the Cadbury caramel egg right there. We're going to do that at the start of the next segment. Um, and then after that, we have the Reese's peanut butter egg, which 
if my my bet of which one I will like the most is this one, just because I like Reese's, but we shall see. And then, of course, the all-time title holder, the classic Cadbury Cream Egg. And believe it or not, I've actually never had one of these. I've never had any of these before, but I've, I've never had a Cadbury Cream Egg, even though people always talk about them. So we're going to try those throughout the show, and I'm going to give my impression on which one is the best. And that is what passes for content on this program. But anyway, as I was getting ready to set up to do the show tonight, and I was getting my chocolate eggs, and getting my laptop, and getting my viewer mail, and everything ready to go, I happened to look on Twitter, and I was thinking, I need something, I need something to talk about for the monologue. And I happened to look on Twitter, and I saw this tweet from Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas, where he said, we have a major under-incarceration problem in America, and it's only getting worse. Now, how's this for a guy? Let's listen to this. Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas. Tom Cotton believes that we don't incarcerate enough people. There's, too, there's just so much crime. The way to fix all that crime is we need to lock up more people. Now, just what a dick shitter this guy is, because... The United States is like the leading penal colony on earth. The United States has more people incarcerated due in large part to the war on drugs, but also things like mandatory minimums, just the ridiculous justice system of, of overcharging and playing down. Uh, and, and I mean, we could spend weeks on just those issues alone. But because of that, the United States has more people locked up in jails and in prisons than, than anyone else on, in, on, on earth. Uh, more than China, more than India, more than North Korea, more than countries who have vastly larger populations. I'm not talking about per capita. I'm talking about in, in real terms. And Tom Cotton thinks more people should be locked up. And, and this is the same Tom Cotton, by the way. This is like hardcore neocon warhawk central. This is patient zero for everything we absolutely despise on this program is Tom Cotton. This is a guy who can't go to war with Iran fast enough can't bomb Iraq enough, can't bomb Afghanistan enough, can't bomb Syria enough, loves starving people in Yemen. More, 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 let's spin, 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 and bomb, bomb, bomb. That's Tom Cotton. Now, I don't want this to come off as hyperbole, because I, I mean this when I say it. Tom Cotton is human debris. He is one of the worst just sacks of filth walking this earth. I mean that when I say it. But it, it actually kind of leads me in a little bit different direction. That's, it's related to Tom Cotton, but it's not just about him. We talk about the state on this program, about Leviathan, about this, the, the power, the, the authorities that be, the power that be, that is, that restricts liberties, that infects institutions, and sometimes a... a a layman who may be watching this program for the first time who might, who might say, well, what, what is that? What, what is the state? And that's an interesting question because the state can, can be embodied in lots of ways by lots of things. So a lot of people think, well, the government, you know, the government is a part of the state. The state is, is represented by the government. So when you think of a federal overreach over states' rights, and you think of states overreaching over local and municipalities, and you think of a local and a municipality overreaching 
and and uh, restricting the liberties of a sovereign individual, and and that that's wrong and that's unjust and that that is the state, and that's fair. That's that's fair to say, but at the same time, you know, take Tom Cotton for example. He's a senator from Arkansas. He's he's one of the worst human beings that are currently living. But he didn't become a senator by winning the lottery. He didn't become senator because they take turns flipping coins or playing rock, paper, scissors. He became a senator because his constituents, the voters in the state of Arkansas, voted him into that position. And so it makes me think of, well, so what is the state? And you might say, well, the police state, the military-industrial complex, the, the deep state, the intelligence state, uh, you know, the surveillance state, and, and, and all of those are great examples. But when someone like a Tom Cotton, just a, just a demonstrably just terrible piece of filth, gets into a position of power and influence like he does in the United States Senate, he got there by the help whether it was naivete or ignorance, or they know exactly who he is and that's what they want. He got there because people were voting for him. And so they're the state too. And it's an interesting thing because you think of, you know, I know a lot of people in our community, in the Liberty community, they're, they're big hearts and minds people. We gotta go out there and we gotta change hearts and minds. And that's never really been what I'm about. I just like calling people dick shitters and, and moving on with my life. But for the hearts and minds people out there, the true bleeding heart types who really want to reach people and help people and help them to see, see the light and to help themselves and to build this community that values liberty and individualism. And that's, and that's beautiful. And that's something we try to do on this program is, is building that kind of community. I love you guys. I love our audience. I definitely love the ones that go to patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. But I, I do. I love you guys. And I feel like that's what we do here is we're building a community. But all of those other people, all the overwhelming majority, the other 99% of people on earth, all your, fr- your friends and family, perhaps, your neighbors, the people you work with, the people who live in your communities, those people who are the types who they don't they don't really do any research on their own if the if if Dr. Fauci says lockdown they lock down and anyone who doesn't they think oh you're there's something wrong with you we got to we got to do something about that person the type of people voting for think people like Tom Cotton they're the state too and it's and it's an interesting dichotomy in that they're they're your neighbors, they're members of your geographic community, and you, you, want, you want to reach them, but they're also your enemy at the same time if they are supporting monsters and if they're supporting policies that will infringe upon your rights. And that makes it tough, but, and, and I don't have an answer for you on how to, how to fix that per se, just to say that it just makes it that much more important for us to focus on our community. That's not a geographic community. It can be a community of people all over the world, people who maybe only know each other online, people who only get to visit once a year at some random person's annual live show. 
that's our community and we want to grow that community but it's just all the more important to keep that community close so uh with that said we have uh we have a message for senator tom cotton of arkansas here it is Guys, we'll be right back with the meme of the week and the viewer mail right after this break. Don't go away. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Welcome back. We are we're starting with the Cadbury caramel egg. We're gonna we're gonna start with this one. Um, I should have like told people ahead of time that we were gonna do this, and then like people people could do this at home along with me, and we would we would taste test it together. So you just pretend that you're enjoying this Cadbury caramel egg with me. This became like an ASMR podcast. I'm going to like. How many calories was this thing? So, um. Not bad. I feel like the chocolate was better than the caramel. I feel like the chocolate was better. Like the Cadbury chocolate was pretty good. The caramel was just kind of meh. So, it wasn't bad. If someone gave me one at a party and said, here, eat this, I probably would. But it's not the type of candy that you're like, ooh, give me another. I just had this one. I'm good. So, um... I should have had like nap more napkins or something prepared for this. This this is this is the type of stuff that we do is we're we're literally recording the show and I'm talking to myself about what I should be doing to produce the show. So anyway, there you go. The uh Cadbury caramel egg is down and we'll do the next two in the next two segments and then at the end of the show I'll tell you which one was my favorite. In the meantime, it's time for the meme of the week. When the orange man is finally gone, but all your problems haven't magically vanished, and you're still a miserable and sufferable twat. <sighs> yeah. I said it. What of it? I feel like I feel like I should have had these at the end because like now I'm all like and I got to do the rest of the segment. Speaking of the rest of the segment, let's answer some viewer mail. It's too late viewer mail. Okay. 
show. Alan answers viewer mail questions. We have a lot of members and they've been banned on social media. Only like a dozen people. And I'm using the term questions pretty loosely here. You want to read the whole thing? I'm just gonna have to hit the old rewind there. Yeah, you know. So anyway, we're gonna start with Eric Eli, who writes, "Dear Alan, uh, does America go out with a bang or a whimper?" Um, goes out with your mom. Got him. Got him. Uh, no. So, I I mean, it's probably gonna go out with a whimper because it's. I mean, my my official prediction is eventually the empire collapses under its own weight, and then it just more reforms into regional smaller nation states. So I'm going to call that a whimper. Uh, Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan, do butlers buttle? They buttle these nuts. Um, you know what? I don't, I don't know if buttle is a word. So I'm going to say yes. But you have to tell me in the comments, because this is live, what buttle is so that we know what butlers are really doing with their free time. Uh, Adam Sokosen writes, Dear Alan, what is the number one skill you will bring to post-apocalyptic times? <laughs> well, being a late-night talk show host, of course. Ah, Adam. Valdirio, Dear Alan, is it the alternator or the battery? Uh, dude, it's the battery. And actually, the battery is fine, but you got, you got a bunch of buildup there around around the sockets or whatever, around the, uh, the connections. So you gotta, you gotta take a, you gotta disconnect the battery. You gotta take a brush. You gotta brush those bad boys. Cause you gotta, you got some moisture getting in there, my man. So, so don't go run out and pay money for a new battery until you, until you brush that one off and reconnect it and see if it works. Um, Indy Culp writes, dear Alan, have you ever watched the dystopian movie Equilibrium? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? So I actually have watched the movie Equilibrium. It has um, Christian Bale in it when he was a much younger man. I don't know if Equilibrium came before or after American Psycho, but it was pretty early in his career. So I liked it. I, I think it's not worth giving too much thought to because I don't actually think it's like that deep. It, it, it was, it's kind of like the Matrix before the Matrix, but it's, a, it's just a little bit more shorter, shallower type of a movie. But uh, it was it was good. Would would recommend for a watch. Uh, okay, so Clay Davis writes, "Dear Alan, why is the 1980 Flash Gordon movie so bad yet so good?" So there is that type of movie out there that is so bad that you watch it, but you but you you can like you can turn off your critical thinking and just enjoy the hilarity of the terribleness. And so obviously for Clay, Flash Gordon fits that bill. Um, I've actually never seen it, but I haven't seen a lot of movies from 1980 because I was born 1985. So that means everyone, everything that happened before September 27th, 1985 is actually just part of the simulation. Uh, Celeste Annis writes, Dear Alan, how many books do you... I can't even... I can't even do the show. Damn you, Cadbury Caramel Egg. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, Celeste Annis writes, Dear Alan, how many books do you own? 
So I'm actually not sure how many books I own. I don't, I don't have like a pretty bookshelf up because I don't really have a ton of space in this apartment. Uh, a lot of my, a lot of my physical books are actually boxed up, which I know is terrible. And, uh, most of the books I've gotten in recent years, I just have digital copies of or audio books of. However, I will say it's more than 50, but less than a hundred. And the most recent book I got, Hey, enough already at time to end the war on terrorism by Scott Horton, which I want to have Scott back on the show to talk about this and more, but I'd like to be able to actually have read a guest's most recent book before I invite them on to talk about it. And I haven't had a chance to get through that yet, but we will. Uh, Vanity Carranza writes, dear Alan, if you were a character on friends, who would you be? Ooh, God, Friends is just such an awful show. I know Anna Kay is going to leave me now that I just said that live on air, but it is, it's, it's just terrible. Um, I, I guess I, I'm sure that she would say that I'm Chandler, and you just take that for whatever you want. Uh, finally, I, I know I had one more. Where is it? Uh, Jonathan Carranza, uh, is Mark Zuckerberg an alien? So Mark Zuckerberg is in fact not an alien because as you heard in the monologue of this show, when you think about people like Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas, there are plenty just absolutely grotesque, unbelievable pieces of filth that are walking among us as, as everyday living, breathing human beings. And Tom Cotton is one and the Zuck is another. So, uh, yeah, with that said, guys, we're going to be right back to talk a little bit about uh, Governor Ron DeSantis down in Florida and his little uh, debacle with 60 Minutes right after this break. Don't go away. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at info at alanmosley.tv. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are, we're going to dig in to uh, number two on the three-part taste test. So we're gonna do the Reese's Peanut Butter Cream. It, so it actually says peanut butter cream uh, as opposed to peanut butter cup. Um, I feel like they should probably get sued by Cadbury. But anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cream Egg. Uh, right off the bat, I wanna say this one is like sticky. And having some issues here. I don't want to like get chocolate everywhere, but all right. So this is, this one's like messy for some reason. So this is the Reese's peanut butter cream egg. <clears throat> this is weird to do without having a sidekick because there's no one to talk while I'm just going nom, 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 nom. Okay. The chocolate 
is not as good of chocolate as the Cadbury chocolate was. But the peanut butter, the peanut butter is where it's at. Way better than the caramel. And in typical Reese's fashion, the mixture of the peanut butter and the chocolate is what really, really does it for you. So, I don't want to give it away yet because we still have one to go. But as suspected, the Reese's egg is in the pole position. Sorry, uh, sorry, caramel egg fans out there, whoever you may be. You're, um, you're bringing up the rear at the moment. God, why didn't I do the thing about Ron DeSantis before I ate this damn egg? This was such a terrible... You know, it's a, it's a tough job I have, eating chocolate eggs for the fans. All right. So anyway, I would have loved to have played the actual 60-minute spot for you, but in typical fashion, that gets you flagged on platforms like YouTube, and they want to demonetize your video and track your stats and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I don't feel like fighting with them over fair use and all that crap. So I don't have the actual 60 minutes uh, segment for you. But it's very easy to find. Anyone right now can go on YouTube or wherever and search DeSantis 60 Minutes and look at the little hit piece that they did on him uh, claiming that he was a part of a uh, pay-to-play scheme with Publix grocery stores. And since Publix had donated money to his campaign, he then in turn gave them exclusive rights to uh, unload the vaccine. And so, and I just said the V word, so this episode's shadow banned for life anyway. So that's what happened in the actual segment that was on TV is 60 minute reporter tries to hit Ron DeSantis with an I gotcha. And then as soon as he tries to answer, they immediately cut to a voiceover and cut tape. I actually have for you a Governor DeSantis's actual answer that he gave to the 60 Minutes reporter that 60 Minutes completely cut from their on-air segment. So take a look at this. Sure. So first of all, that, what you're saying is wrong. That's, that, that's a fake narrative. So first of all, when we did the, the first pharmacies that had it were CVS and Walgreens, and they had a long-term care mission. So they were going to the long-term care facilities. They got vaccine in the middle of December. They started going to the long-term care facilities the third week of December to do LTCs. So that was their mission. That was very important, and we trusted them to do that. As we got into January, we wanted to expand the distribution points. So yes, you had the counties, you had some drive-through sites, you had hospitals that were doing a lot, but we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're gonna to use you as soon as you're done with that. For the Publix, they were the first one to raise their hand, say they were ready to go. And you know what? We did it on a trial basis. I had three counties. I actually showed up that weekend and talked to seniors across four different Publix. How was the experience? Is this good? Should you think this is the way to go? And it was 100% positive. So we expanded it. 
and then folks liked it. And I can tell you, if you look at a place like Palm Beach County, they were kind of struggling at first in terms of the senior numbers. I went, I met with the county mayor, I met with the administrator, I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites, we can give more to hospitals, we can do the publics, we can do this. They calculated that 90% of their seniors live within a mile and a half of a Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So we did that. And what ended up happening was you had 65 Publix in Palm Beach. Palm Beach is one of the biggest counties, one of the most elderly counties. We've done almost 75% of the seniors in Palm Beach. And the reason is because you had the strong retail footprint. So our uh, way has been multifaceted. It has worked. And we're also now very much expanding CVS and Walgreens now that they've completed the long-term care mission. Yes. And it's wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative. And you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. And so it's clearly not. No, no, no. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yes, sir. So... Um yeah, I mean, I don't like I don't want to come off as like I'm simping for Ron DeSantis or anything because I'm an anarchist. I don't vote. I'm never going to. I have said that my prediction is, is that that guy's going to end up being like president of the United States someday. But the fact of the matter is, is that the 60 minutes narrative was is that uh, Publix had paid like one hundred thousand dollars to Ron DeSantis's gubernatorial campaign in an ex as, as a result, they were getting special uh, exclusive rights to the vaccine rollout. And his answer, considering that he was being asked that on the fly at a press conference on site somewhere, and it was not something that was necessarily prepared, he gave a pretty damn good answer. And, and yeah, he has every right to um, be aggressive towards a reporter who clearly she wasn't listening to anything he had to say because she already has her narrative ready to go. It's what the network wants to push. It's exactly the type of fake news garbage that should be called out. So anyway, I actually want to move on. So uh, Robbie Soab from Reason has a great article covering this. That 60-minute story on Ron DeSantis and Florida's vaccine rollout is wildly flawed. CBS cut the part where DeSantis carefully explains why the reporter's narrative is wrong. So we're going to dig into this a little bit. Uh, the 60-minute story on Florida's vaccine rollout accused Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor, of making a corrupt deal with Publix to distribute the vaccine. The CBS reporter that was off screen in that clip, uh, Sharon Alfonsi, noted that the grocery chain donated $100,000 to DeSantis's election campaign and suggested the lucrative vaccination contract was a pay-to-play scheme. It's an accusation that doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. One, Publix, like many large corporations, gives money to both Republicans and Democrats. But more importantly, the decision to have Publix coordinate vaccination was not even made by the governor's office. According to Jared Mouskowitz, director of the Florida Division of Emergency Management, it was his offices that recommended Publix. Moskowitz, a Democrat has said that Publix was the best store for the job, since it has more than 800 locations across the state. 
By the way, you didn't hear anything about the Division of Emergency Management, about Director uh, Jared Moskowitz, or that he was a Democrat being involved in the decision making. Totally not covered by 60 Minutes. Moving on. Indeed, when Alfonsi cornered DeSantis at a press conference and asked him about Publix, he gave a lengthy explanation, which we just saw, that largely undercut her claims. He pointed out, for instance, that it wasn't true that Publix got the vaccines first. It was actually CBS and Walgreens that had already been contracted to coordinate vaccination for long-term care facilities. Remarkably, CBS cut this portion of DeSantis' response. In fact, the 60-minute story reduced his two-minute answer to just a few seconds. The Daily Wire has a full breakdown of the sizable gap between what DeSantis actually said and what CBS included, and it's telling. This was not a case of a journalist condensing the essence of what a source told her. Alfonsi blatantly ignored the part of the governor's statement that clashed with her narrative and instead included a brief comment that made it sound like he became combated with her for no reason. And, and I touched on that just a minute ago. So again, in the 60 Minutes segment, you, you might have seen Governor DeSantis there starting off the rebuttal, the answer to her question, it's really more of a rebuttal, of saying, no, that's wrong, let me tell you why. And then when she continued to press the question, even though she had already had her turn, her question had been thoroughly answered on the spot, and the governor had already moved on to another reporter, and she was trying to speak over them, which is rude to say the least, not not to mention that she was she was the one being combative. And he rebuked her and said, no, you're wrong, and gestured that he was moving on. 60 Minutes only left in that front and tail end part where he seemed to be, um, what's the word I want, being aggressive towards Alfonsi as opposed to any of the explanation. The rest of the story is quite flawed. It maligned DeSantis for, quote, breaking with CDC guidelines and prioritizing vaccination for the elderly instead of, quote, teachers and essential workers. Since the elderly are at the highest risk of dying from COVID-19, this prioritization makes absolute sense, irrespective of the CDC's warped views on the subject. CBS also implied that there's something sinister and unique about a Republican administration having privatized the vaccine rollout. Corporations plus profits equals scary. But private entities are aiding with vaccine, distribu vaccine distribution elsewhere as well. In the District of Columbia, CVS has partnered with the city's Democratic mayor to vaccinate all sorts of people. The mainstream media seems intent on peddling a false narrative that Florida's approach to the pandemic has been uniquely bad. As Zainab Tufeki explained in a recent article, this is an example of how, quote, polarization has eaten a lot of our brains. And this is, this is an excerpt from uh, Tufeki. Lots of people are angry, very angry with Florida, and willing to quickly believe the worst. In reality, it's middling. Compared with the rest of the country, Florida's record is neither stellar nor terrible. How much of this is its middling guidelines? How much of this is the weather advantage? How much of this is just luck? It's not yet fully clear. But the polarized climate means that Andrew Cuomo, who is implicated in a large number of terrible policies, can sell a book about his pandemic leadership for $4 million, even before the pandemic was over. While people are readily willing to believe that Florida, which, from what we can tell, actually has one of the better reporting systems, 
must be somehow lying and covering up its terrible numbers. 60 Minutes Report is another example of this weird fixation. Moreover, it's misleadingly clipped to deprive viewers of DeSantis' plausible explanation of the alleged controversy. No wonder that so many people, and Republicans especially, distrust the media. So that's, that's really what it kind of comes full circle to for us, is that there's, it's, we're, in, we're in a place where there's all-time lows in trusts of journalism, of journalistic, journalistic integrity. And, and goodness knows I have criticized the corporate press and because they're the enemy of the people, as Michael Malice says. Uh, we've criticized them many times on this program. But I think what I want to kind of leave people with tonight is, is just using this 60 Minutes debacle as a microcosm for all of the corporate press. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to come out swinging in defense of Ron DeSantis. Um, I think he's done a heck of a lot better than the Andrew Cuomo's of the world. But for all we know, Ron DeSantis goes and runs for president. And the first thing he does is go to war with somebody. So he may be a POS too. We don't know. But what we do know is that despite Florida having a larger population than, say, the state of New York, and despite having the one of or the oldest population, elderly population in the United States, they, ought, they do have roughly average numbers that do come out to be across the board better than a state like New York. Um, and, and yet you, you get this type of combativeness. And so, again, I don't, I don't want to come off as saying, so therefore we should all be Republicans because Tom Cotton's a Republican and he's a piece of shit. But at the same time, it would be ignorant to not look at a story like this and say, well, there's clearly a left-leaning agenda, not just a bias, an agenda that the corporate press is trying to institute and, and pursue. And it, it, facts don't matter. You know, facts don't, facts are totally irrelevant to their narrative. And so serving this serving as a microcosm for all corporate press is I really just, I just want to leave my listeners at home thinking that this isn't an isolated incident. Now this is one that we have a very clear picture of just how dishonest they were. But imagine all the times that you or me or anybody may have read a news story or watched some sort of special interest piece on one of these, from one of these corporate media outlets and maybe not really thought a lot about it. Maybe it, maybe it wasn't something that was immediately interesting to you at the time or ever, but Lying liars lie. And we know these people to be liars. And so since you, when, if you had a friend or someone in your neighborhood that, you know, old, old lying, you know, lying Larry, who we'll, we'll just call him Dick Shitter Dave. So Dick Shitter Dave always tells lies and he lies just constantly through his teeth about everything. Then you wouldn't believe Dick Shitter Dave for anything because you know that he's a liar. It doesn't matter what the topic is. He's proven to be untrustworthy. And that's, and, and that's, that's the shame of losing one's integrity is that you, you've lost it and doesn't come back. The corporate media has no integrity. They are liars. And so you shouldn't trust anything they say. 
And it's so important to really pound that home for people because if you are having some type of a confrontation or a debate on social media or you're talking to your neighbor across the street and your neighbor disagrees with you on one some of the topics we talk about on this show and they say, well, I was watching CBS or I was watching CNN and they said da-da-da-da-da, is say they're liars. Now, I don't know for absolutely certain if they lied to your face about this particular thing you're t- talking to me about, but they're liars. So I'm going to have a default position that they're lying all the time. For all we know, they are. So with that said, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the last taste testing and a little bit more about the crappy corporate press right after this. Welcome back to the show. I finally learned my lesson, and I'm going to wait till the end of this segment to do the final taste testing of the Cadbury cream egg. Uh, in the meantime, a couple of quick things from that last segment before we move forward. Uh, so this is actually from our friend Jeffrey Tucker, who was a, a former guest on this show, great guy, works over there at AIER, uh, where the Great Barrington Declaration uh, signers uh, were, were housed. And uh, he had tweeted the video of Governor Ron DeSantis when he held a public health roundtable with the signers of the Great Barrington Declaration, three highly esteemed scientists, um, along with Dr. Scott Atlas. And the reason I'm showing you this screenshot is, oh, guess what? YouTube decided that video, which was just a a public video presentation of a public health roundtable, in the state of Florida with the governor and several highly credentialed experts, it violates YouTube's terms of service. So they took the video down. Now I believe, fortunately, AIER has, has the transcripts of that video, so you can still find it if you want to. But again, it just, it just goes to show the corporate press and also big tech being a part of that, controlling the narrative and that you know YouTube, which is owned by Google, they want to protect you from any dissenting opinions on, on issues such as the pandemic and the lockdowns and the mandates, masks, vaccines, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they want to protect you from the opinions of such, you know, anti-science morons as, you know, Harvard Medical School and Sanford uh, scientists and epidemiologists. Those are people that are kooks, but you know, Google knows best. Um, I think we have something for Google. Let me check that out. So anyway, we're going to move on. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about some media stuff before we re-wrap up today. This is actually coming to us from, from Town Hall. 
by uh, Katie, Pavlich, uh, Katie Pavlich, who said, uh, article, media does damage control on the refusal to cover Hunter Biden before the election. Now, the reason I want to get into this is because I noticed this just the other day. We're, you know, we're what going four or five months now removed from the election. And yet, and now you are seeing major media outlets uh, running corrections and, and issuing mea culpas for editorial decisions they made leading up to the election. So we're going we're gonna to dig into this a little bit. So yesterday, the Department of Justice officially revealed Hunter Biden is under investigation. In October, it became clear Biden may have been involved in money laundering and illegal foreign dealings with hostile governments, including China. It's all on his laptop, which he failed to pick up from a local repair shop in Delaware. The owner of the shop turned it over to the FBI after becoming concerned it could contain information about crimes. Despite a computer hard drive, emails, texts, photos, and a lack of denial from the Biden family, so-called newsrooms across the country ignored it and called it a, quote, non-story. NPR, in particular, had said, Why haven't you seen any stories from NPR about the New York Post's Hunter Biden story? They said, quote, we don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. God, what a load of crap that is. Uh, by the way, I, I just want to point out really quickly, since we're on the topic of NPR. So this was actually, swear, hand to God, this was a correction that NPR ran recently. A previous version of this story said U.S. intelligence had discredited the laptop story. Correction. U.S. intelligence officials have not made a statement to that effect. I love, by the way, the reason why I bothered to blow this image up for you is look at the date. April Fool's! Just, it was just a gag, you guys, that we were hiding these terribly damaging stories to the Biden campaign right before the election that we're now running corrections on months later. Uh, so anyway, uh, another interesting one that came forward, uh, old Jack Dorsey, our friend Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, who said, we don't. He admitted that they don't have any evidence to say the New York Post Biden story was disinformation. He went on to apologize and said, and said, point blank, it was the wrong decision of them to have censored the New York Post's Twitter account and to eliminate all the links and stories of the Hunter Biden scandal prior to the election. The reason I really wanted to dig in, even bother to mention that today, uh, before we wrap up, is just the fact that some people felt like that was really some type of big move on Jack's part, that he, that he admitted it was wrong. I'm sorry. We shouldn't have done that. But... It's April. It's April 2021 when the election was November 2020. It's really easy to say, my bad, we shouldn't have done that. Or if you're NPR, oops, let's run a correction. Actually, that story hasn't been disproven. Still a live scandal. It's easy to say that in April, the year after the election. They knew what they were doing. That's, that's the thing, is that even the, the absolute most blue-pilled people out there, which unfortunately is the millions of type of people you see on a platform like Twitter, 
Those are the type of people saying, well, well, good for Jack that he's willing to admit that maybe he rushed, he rushed things. Or, well, NPR, you know, they have a lot of journalistic integrity. They're willing to issue corrections when they make a mistake. But mistake is the key word, isn't it? Because mistake would imply that they genuinely thought it was a nothing burger. And so they were getting, they were sweeping it under, not even necessarily sweeping it under. They were moving on to more pressing matters because that was all fake news. But it wasn't a mistake. A mistake would imply that it was an accident and they needed to be corrected. It wasn't a mistake. They knew what they were doing and they did it on purpose. And they lie to you. And something I've said on this program a number of times, they don't even feel the need to lie well because that's how little, that's how low their regard for you and your intelligence is. So don't let them off the hook. So keep adding to that list, 60 Minutes, CBS, YouTube, Google, uh, old Zuck, our man Zuck over at Facebook, Jack Dorsey and Twitter, um, NPR right there. They're liars and they have an agenda, not just a bias, an agenda, and they're trying to pursue it. Never trust them ever, ever, ever again. I think we're running out of time, so I better eat this damn thing. All right, last one, guys. Last one. So, Cadbury cream egg, the, the, the famous treat from across the pond. Uh, I'm trying the first one today. Dead gum, this thing's wrapped. All right, there we go. So right off the bat, I can tell you, for whatever reason, that Reese's chocolate was like really sticky and kind of melting, even though it's not particularly hot in here. Cadbury chocolate has more form to it. All right, Cadbury cream egg. So I don't really know what the cream is, but it's not like cream cream. It's like more like a molasses type. They do make it look like an egg though. Huh. So, kind of like with the first one, I definitely wouldn't eat more than one at a time. That's a lot. It's definitely better chocolate than um, Reese's, just like the first one was. I feel like I should build suspense by waiting until the finale say which one was my favorite so i'm gonna do that be right back to wrap up the show and declare the winner of the taste test right after this don't go away hi guys it's alan here and i want to take a moment to let you know about one of our supporters who started a new business Laura Moreau sells 50 different health and wellness all-natural products from weight loss, supplements, energy enhancers, body toning, longer and stronger hair, and so much more. Do you like coffee? Well, they even have coffee that'll help you drop some pounds. And who doesn't want to drop a few pounds? Go check her out at her online store at lauramoreau.itworks.com today. That's lauramoreau.itworks.com. 
like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow me on Twitter. That's twitter.com at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. Man, all three of those just... Alright. Guys, really quick. We're over on Odyssey. Support a decentralized platform. We need more followers over there. Go to odyssey.com. Uh, Alan Mosley TV. Just search It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Also, for people who are podcast types who like to binge listen, you can now listen to the show. It's uh, Anchor FM. It puts us on Spotify, Google, all the other ones. Once again, Alan Mosley TV. It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Nice and easy. Uh, with that said, I love all things Rhesus. But I get I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with saying that the uh, the belt holder retained the belt. I'm gonna go with the original, the Cadbury cream egg. That was actually pretty good. I like the peanut butter and peanut butter chocolate mix more, but the Cadbury chocolate was better, and the Cadbury cream egg, the original, was better than the caramel by far. So Cadbury cream egg was good. Uh you know, that's really the kind of hard-hitting stuff you come to this program for, I know. And we love to give it to you. Guys, thank you so much. We will see you next week. <laughs>